truth and good afternoon, everybody. I must confess that my heart leapt for joy when I saw that this was the Bible passage that I was uh, reflecting on because it's one of my favorite passages. I love all this talk of sin and law and good and evil. It just excites me. And it reminded me straight away of uh, a scene in a film that when I watched it around 15 years ago or so, uh, my mind went straight to this scripture. And we're going to begin by looking at a little clip that I think has something to do with this passage. The moment I saw that scene in the film, I knew that somehow it's expressing something that St. Paul is wrestling with throughout Romans 5, 6 and into chapter 7 that we read today, which is about the war waged within each one of us between uh, the old man and the new man, the, the Adam and the Christ, uh, the, 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 the self-enslaved to the sinful nature and the, the self-enslaved to the glorious liberty of God. And, and this great uh, sort of crescendo is going to reach its climax in Romans 8 where, um, where Paul proclaims there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Master is looking after us just as Smeagol proclaims. This passage though in Romans 7 is about this war which is waged within us. This war between uh, in St. Paul's terms the law of sin and the law of life. 
we've got to read this carefully because it's not setting up a false opposition between God's grace and the Old Testament law. That's not what the passage is about. In fact, St. Paul celebrates the Old Testament law. He celebrates it as a gift of God that is supposed to lead to life. We're in the Pentecost season, and it's always worth remembering, as I've said before, and will no doubt say again, um, Pentecost was the feast where people had gathered to celebrate the gift of the law to Moses on Sinai. Fifty days after the Passover, uh, 50 days after that deliverance from Egypt, uh, Moses went up the mountain, and God gave him the commandments, the law. And this is celebration that God is revealing his will, his character, his heart to us, so that we might know how to live. And uh, that was why many people from all around the ancient Near East had gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And of course, what happens in this new Pentecost, what we would describe as Pentecost, well, it's the Spirit of God who is poured out. So the Spirit of God who is a gift to us to lead us into life uh, is given at the same time that we are commemorating the gift of the law, which leads us into life. And of course, for those of us who are living in step with the Holy Spirit of God, we know that we don't have power to conform ourselves to the law of life that was given through Moses. The Old Testament law guides and instructs us. It's described as a gift, verse 10. It says, uh, verse 10, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. But you see, the first part, the commandment was intended to bring life. In the end, it's the failure to keep it that brings death, but the law is given as a gift. It's intended to bring life. It is spiritual. St. Paul says in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. It's not the problem with the law, it's the problem with me. So this is no false opposition between Old Testament law and God's grace. How then might we think about the role of the law in our lives? We might imagine that the law is, by extension, something around the community of faith, the household of God, the presence of one another in the church which can convict us of our sin. I had a very interesting experience this morning um, on the subject of doing what I do not want to do and not doing what I want to do. Uh, John T. Frere and I went to do some street evangelism in Hackney Central. And uh, we were uh, sort of encouraged and inspired by a man named Scott McNamara from Causeway Coast Vineyard in Coleraine. And uh, then we went out and started approaching people one-to-one uh, to ask them, to show them a picture. I haven't got it with me now. Of um, Jesus knocking at the door of the heart and to ask them whether they pray, to ask them whether they uh, know Jesus personally and to try and open an opportunity. Talk about doing what you do not want to do. Um, we all sort of left terrified, but... Um, determined nonetheless uh, with boldness and obedience as they're the two legs as we walk towards people but it was interesting in the conversation some of the conversations I had with people that people rail against the church because they see the church as controlling authoritarian judgmental trying to use fear to control people and uh, the church trying to conform us to some impossible standard. I spoke to a woman who, uh, a woman named Endy, who had been part of a Christian church, part of a Pentecostal church uh, in her late teens, early 20s, but had ended up saying, I still want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to follow uh, Jesus in the church because the church tries to manipulate and use fear to, con- to control me and conform me. Now, it's very easy for us to, I, I'm sure all of us, I can certainly sympathize with that uh, perspective, and many of us will know times when that has happened. 
But the truth is, I think that the community of faith, the household of God, the church, is a little like the Old Testament law. It is a gift to help shape us and to guide us. It's a gift intended to bring life. It's a gift which is spiritual. It's a gift given by God to reveal God's character and heart to us so that we might uh, live in accordance with his will. The problem is not the community of faith, the church, necessarily. It's the problem within each one of us, the war waged within each of us. That, like Gollum and Smeagol, we struggle with those two forces within us. And that's why when I read this passage, I, I, I love reaching that point of the climax where Paul says, What a wretched man am I? Who will deliver me? Who will deliver me? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, he says in verse 24. That's the question. That's the problem. There is a war waged within me, and I'm powerless to, save my, to help myself. It, it's the same sentiment that was expressed in the first song we sang. You are good. You are good when there's nothing good in me. And those moments where there's, there's, there's no power within myself to be conformed to God's will. The reach of sin has been total, uh, and uh, I know the good that I want to do, but something within me is waging war, and I feel hopeless, I feel wretched. Who will rescue us? Who will deliver us from this body that is subject to death? Well, verse 25 Paul reaches his answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And that's why we sang that second song. I am forgiven at the foot of the cross. I am accepted by the power of his love. That's our faith. Our faith is not a faith of self-empowerment, self-realization, self-actualization. We, um, Chris and I often talk about behavioral change and about uh, how we learn to con- manage our bodies and self-leadership and self-control and all of those things. Um, And actually, I find that really inspiring and exciting to a certain point. But as Christians, we know that we look to the one who, beyond any capacity we have, is the one who affects change and transformation in us. If we misdirect our focus to kick against either the Old Testament law or the church, we will never find that rescue. When we see that it's the corruption of our nature and the war waged by sin, then we have only one place to go for help, for deliverance, for rescue. And that is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.